Lovely Yahweh, another day, another breath, grace, mercy from you, Father God, to come in to your treasury and draw from the shelves to share with anyone who has an ear that wants to hear about you, Father God. And thank you for that intense sunset. Sorry, on Friday, Friday, intense, intense. Maybe it was Saturday. Can't recall, but I just know I was caught up in your beauty, your artwork, Father. Abba Yahweh, Haman, Yeshua, Haman, Parakletos, Haman. So, so stymied and befuddled by <laughs> God's artistry. And I just look and see these things. And remember, there is in the scripture that it says there will be no excuse when he says, and what about you? And you say, well, I didn't know. And God will say, well, wait a second. How did you not know? The whole earth declares my majesty and who I am. Everything in, in this world declares that, except you. You have an excuse why you won't believe me. You can't see everything hollering out, Hosanna, Hosanna, hallelujah, hallelujah. Abba, Yahweh, maker of all things. Man, you can't hear any of that. And you're the only one that has a reason not to believe. You can't see me. I don't talk to you. No, you don't listen. So here's the thing. I, I'm going to share this because I, I had signs and wonders. Yeah, there's signs and wonders going on all the time. You just have to pay attention. And you have to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual hearing in order to be able to enjoy some of this stuff. And if you can't, well, I I feel for you in my heart and I continue praying, but you know what? You're missing a lot. Anyway, coming down the boulevard and heading westward and it was the special area, the difficult area that I have and God, oh man, that has opened up so much, but the sunset was absolutely amazing, amazing. And one of the first things that I noticed was in the middle, I mean, coming down, and you could see the whole, I, it was just hard to describe. I'll do my best. But coming down the boulevard, the whole, looking down there toward the city, and uh, it was this huge wall of, Violet, magenta, and it appeared to be a wave. But what struck me first, what I first noticed, and then I saw the, the giant wave of color when I got closer. But the first thing I noticed was this band of bright gold, yellow. It was just so bright. It was, it was on top of this magenta, purple, violet, shading going on there was this band and what struck me so much about it was that um i don't know if any of you have ever heard of a trident trumpet or or uh, know of it but uh when i was in asia i used to free dive and the trident trumpet the ocean rangers actually had to go in and and break off the spire because you had these disrespectful unthinking 
scavengers, collectors, they wouldn't even eat the animal that lived inside, which many do with a conch, they cook it and they eat it. These selfish individuals were taking these things because of the spire. And they would take it and they would just kill the animal, take it out, and then they you can make literally thousands of dollars for these shells. Well, unfortunately, it's much of what's happened where I lived before with the bears, you had these um, companies that had set up an established trade with the bladder. That's all they wanted was a bladder. These people, bear meat is actually quite good, and and uh, but there weren't <clears throat> any of these families that were thinking about, or any of the, the hunters that were thinking about feeding their family and keeping the meat. They just wanted the bladder and the money. The lust for money is the root of all evil. Money itself is not, but the lust for money. So these people would destroy a life purely for money. They didn't take it and feed their family. They took it just for the bladder. We would find these carcasses, and as a range foreman, it was kind of hurtful to hear this, but, you know, I'd, uh, I'd make announcements at night and have to go patrolling up there in the mountain, and many times by myself, and the bears would walk with me. I loved it. I think they realized that I was doing this to protect them. That's what I choose to believe. So anyway, these trident trumpets were destroyed simply because they were this beautiful and collectors would pay thousands of dollars depending on the pattern of the shell and the condition. Several thousands of dollars were spent by collectors on these things because their value was placed on it. And so the collectors established a bounty. And what they didn't realize is that the trident trumpet is the only aggressive, uh, word just slipped right out of my mind. But anyway, there's, you know, on the reefs, there's a, a starfish. It's quite large. It's called the crown of thorns. Um, and they feed on the coral reefs. Coral reefs, incidentally, are living animals, and they're um, they they live inside the coral, and they would produce this coral, and it would become hard, and it would become their shell. But the trident or the crown of thorns would feed on them. And when I first got to Japan, <coughs> um, reefs were oh, man free diving and being out there. It, it's it would be as if you filled your living room or your house with water and you were swimming through your house. It was so clear, and that was because of the reefs. But what they're finding out, and this is happening on the Great Barrier Reef as well, is that because the crown of thorns is eating the coral and leaving the remnants, which then becomes sediment, so that clarity is being diminished and you get more sediment and it washes up and the coral reefs are being destroyed. There's the ecosystem in the reefs is being destroyed. Now the trident trumpet is the only natural predator for the crown of thorns and they would feed on the crown of thorns. They could, they were immune to the venoms and things that they had going on and they would feed on them. And it was a checks and balance system that works really well. So there's a reason they use that term because when you go in your check or you're used to, you don't have to do that anymore.
But when you went into your checkbook, if you didn't check it off and balance it and do all this, you'd have no idea what was going on. And you would diminish your account to zero and you wouldn't realize it. So what's happening out there in this um, check and balance system is being diminished. But on the crown of thorns, this, this, this spire, the spear, my gosh, they would be, you'd find them out there and they would be three feet long and then attach the shell and, and, uh, and then you have the colors and all that stuff. But on many of these things, it would be as if someone, Father God, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things, made, would have a hole of the pointed end and then turn, gently turn the shell body and you would get this spiral effect. So when I'm coming down the boulevard, I look up and that's what I see first, this bright, immensely bright yellow band that's going from one end of this, what later I realized was a cloud that had been given all this color, but what was so awesome was that the color was coming from behind it, where the sun was, but couldn't be seen because it was down behind the cloud. But that band of gold, that brightness went across the top and it was spiraled. It looked as if it was spiraled. It was, I, I realized that it was the formation of the way the clouds were and the spacing and, and what God does up there. But who knows, maybe he took his hand and spiraled it. But this band of gold all the way across, I mean bright gold color. And then as I got closer and more westward, I could see that it was on top of this cloud. And it, lo it looked as if it had been painted up there on top of this really bright colored tapestry, what have you. And it was bordered by this band of light. I share that with you because when asked and the person responds like, I didn't know, God is going to say, what? My majesty and my might and my, it's declared by nature all around you. What do you mean you didn't know? The earth cries out. And I've shared this with you before too. It's, it was decided by mammon that this was a Christmas song. Well, it's not just a Christmas song. It's a song about truth. It's about God. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. And it talks about hearing the voice, talks about uh, echoing that outward. The hills, the valleys, and the plains repeat the sounding joy. Nature declares the joy and the love and the majesty of God all the time around us. Problem is that you have to have spiritual hearing and sight in order to hear the songs and the words declared. And you have to have that spiritual sight to see these things and deal with that in your mind. If you don't have that, then you miss out. And yes, you will not see or hear. And then, of course, God's going to ask you a rhetorical question. What do you mean you couldn't see it? Signs and wonders that are happening around us all the time. All the time. 
all the time. All the time. And you have, of course, you have naysayers when I was reading this thing about a bear. And, of course, the person on this thing, the, the tiktok and videographer. <clears throat> Sometimes those people are so silly. They want to be someone so bad that they do some really, really silly things in order to be somebody. And that's, um, it puts themselves in a dangerous place. And one guy was talking about bears, so I responded to it. And then I had somebody respond to me um, and made a very ignorant statement because it was something that they didn't know about. I had lived there, I had walked with them, and I did this, and I believe that this is part of what the word talks about there will be signs and wonders, but people, because they expect a certain thing, that when the Bible talks about signs and wonders, they're talking about the top of a mountain exploding. They're talking about a section of the heavens to explode, and then there's no stars, and they're expecting so many things. Just like when Jesus came to the earth as the humble, only begotten Son of God, born in a stable, laid in a manger, lived in a place of craftsmen called Nazareth. And the saying used to be, can anything good come from Nazareth? It was a very humble place. Craftsmen and other craftsmen would either make fun of the fact that Joseph was a carpenter. They made fun of Jesus, that he was the son of a carpenter. Even to the point when he came back to heal and teach and share with his home because of his mother and the compassion and great and love that he had for his earthly mother. And they made fun of him. It says, hey, by what authority do you speak? We know who you are. You're the son of that carpenter down at the end of the lane, Joseph. We know your brothers and sisters. We know your parents. We know who you are. What authority do you speak of? They were so busy rebuking and refuting his authority that they couldn't recognize it. But even the demons that were within individuals recognized his authority. The demons recognized Jesus' authority, but mammon could not. They refused to see his authority. They refused to hear just like the Sanhedrin did. They refused his authority. Why? Because their arrogance had vaunted them so high above everyone else and they had all the answers and there could no wise be anyone else that had the authority that they themselves gave themselves. Jesus couldn't possibly have that authority. Where does he get that authority from? Uh, excuse me, son of God. Got it from God before he came down here. But they didn't see that, they didn't hear it, they didn't understand it. And when he taught in parables, they couldn't get it. These were supposed authoritarians of the Torah, but they couldn't understand anything he was talking about. Why? Because their spiritual hearing was plugged up. They had their fingers in their spiritual ears. So the majesty might of God is declared around us all the time. Open your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears and you will hear the declaration of hallelujah, hosanna, holy, 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 declared throughout nature 
and the animals and the creatures, the birds, the flowers, everything that is here and around us. Truly amazing. Truly amazing. So I also want to share in that beauty that is in us, ourselves. <clears throat> Pardon me. Our church has this, um, I can't even say the whole thing. I'd say, cause they, it's kind of funny because they say it as a tongue twister. Um, but our church is multi-ethnical and uh, see that sort of thing doesn't matter because the beauty of that nature that's around us that is hollering out the majesty and might of God there is no there is no barrier between now that's not to say that there's not um, things that take place in the church that are not hurtful or but it depends on how far you allow it to go and that's what I mean how far you allow it to go do you become so offended and so hurt and that you uh, start doing the rumor mongering and putting out all this stuff or that you just decide that you, you're going to go because you're hurt? It doesn't matter of what the walk is that you're, you're on and God has you sign that you want to leave. You want to go somewhere and you are putting import on yourself instead of on what God has decided and what God's plan is. That's an unfortunate thing. It is indeed unfortunate. And I have this, um, I had the really fortune, good fortune opportunity that God allowed for Sunday as I'd never heard this man speak before. <clears throat> He was. He is the pastor and elder of church operations that go on. You wonder about the greeters and parking lot attendants and the baristas and all these different assignments and things that have to do with the operations of the church. Well, there's a certain person that has been tasked with that and does that job. And this fellow, whom I... I I love him and his family. His, oh my gosh, his daughter. He shared a, a picture. She's seven years old. And I'm blown away and I felt all these gray hairs popping out because she is... I remember when she was still toddling around having to hold on to the finger and she was doing okay. But, um, you know, she still needed the help and walking all this stuff. Now she's running around. She's growing up and she just... Wow. But this is the hand of God. So anyway, Brian Brush spoke on Sunday. Power in his word and just going at it in his word. And I think Brian and I are actually are quite alike. Because when he's speaking and he's saying something... <clears throat> He'll go on and he'll say something sort of under breath that's comical reference, and but just keeps moving and going. And busy, people are busy trying to get caught up in the humor and, and going. And 
sometimes you just, and he keeps going, and I don't know, maybe that's why I, I like the sermon. I No, the sermon was really good, but what he was talking about is the body of the church, that we are in God's story. Where are we finding ourselves in God's story? Talking about the church, the church body. Well, here's the thing that, is, of course, is really relevant and important, is that the church body is not just the church body. It is the body of Christ, and it talks about the body of Christ being the church, metaphorical, and that's in the scripture. And it also applies to the way that Jesus walked his life, accepting, loving, kindness, grace, serving all people. It didn't matter, rich or poor. healthy or not. He healed people. And I think a very primary example, I shared it with you before already, but the example that Brian was was sharing is not just the local body. You, you have a, um, a corporate body of the church, worldwide, big giant, and you have some churches that are cathedral-like in stature, physical stature on this plane, on this plane of existence we're in. Cathedral-like, massive. But God's plan has put things into, into place a certain way and a certain appearance for a certain reason. That's his intent. And you don't need to try to figure it out, so cut it out. Stop trying to figure out what God's doing. It's none of your business, first of all. Second of all, he is our sovereign Lord God Almighty, and uh, you don't question what his intent is or why he is doing these things. That's not your concern. Do not try to usurp the authority that God has and has also shared with us. You know that there is an individual, a real individual, that tried to do that and is not in a good place. And you see what that individual does in this plane of existence and trying to pull us and separate us from God. So stop it. Stop it now. His authority is not to be questioned by us. And our finite minds is filled with arrogance and that we know better. Stop it. So the body of the church, not only the corporate body, which is worldwide and massive in nature and massive in stature, but you have the local church, which is of import. And I share this, and, and I was hoping that Brian would, and he did. I think he heard my telepathy. But in Hebrews 10 and 24, this is very important because this speaks to the corporate body of the church and also the local body of the church. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, that that is a very important passage because there are many churches I've shared already that are boarded up. They boarded up when this when these prevaricators were pushing this, and now they're trying to push another pestilence. <laughs> It, Satan works really hard. 
So now they have the the monkeypox thing, but um, you know it's it's only something that is transmitted sexually. But they're pushing this thing out, and they're making a big production of it. We have so many confirmed cases. Well, yeah, because so many confirmed cases, because you have so many people that are practicing illicit sexual activity, and they're also very carnal, and they're also not following the rules of intimate sexual relationships. So, yes, you're going to have that taking place. You recall all these things that were going on with uh, HIV and all this stuff, and, you know, when you don't practice safely and you're not following the rules, and yeah, there are rules. Yeah, things are going to happen. And and when you don't follow the rules when you're driving your car, what happens? You crash into a telephone pole, you crash into somebody else, you go into a ditch. There's a lot of things that happen when you don't follow rules. The rule of faith in the Bible, stay in the word, follow from front to back and back to front. You have the rule of faith. Stay in the word, study the word. Paul writes about this, study to show yourself approved. You have to stay in the word. You have to practice the word. You have to practice what God has assigned for us to do. And we must seek his face. And when we seek his face continually, we find what is, what we can term as our deepest, fondest, hoping like you stay in his face, you study, you study his word constantly and they're looking for him. You'll find him. God makes himself available. He's with us all the time. You just have to open your spiritual eyes and hearing and look. It's really quite simple, but yet we make it so difficult. I'm going to refer back to this. I know it gets redundant, but it bears repeating. You put your faith in your car mechanic, the plane mechanic, the jet uh, propulsion guys. You put your faith in all these individuals that you cannot see and you just follow, forgive the term, blindly. You just follow blindly. You believe that everything is being done that's supposed to be done. Why then is it so difficult for mammon to believe that God is in sovereign rule and follow faithfully? Why? Because those other things Satan isn't concerned about. What Satan is concerned about is our following to be with God. He is not. He was and he no longer is because he wanted to take over and he didn't take over and he got the boot. He didn't like that. So he wants all of us to be confounded, confused, and deprived of the opportunity to have a relationship with God our Father. But if we, pardon me, if we look to God, we will be in the midst of our deepest desires, but not temporal desires. And this is, um, the word tells us that if we seek those things which are in heaven and of, of God, that he will give to us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean a Tesla, a big mansion, lots and lots and lots of money. You have to think responsibly. You have to think with righteous thought process and do those things. I'm going to share this with with you. Um, And I hesitate to do this sometimes, but I'm going to because it's what I'm supposed to do. 
And if you go a different direction, that's not my problem. That's your problem, and you need to address that. And I share that because of this. So that motorcycle that I drive, my only form of transportation, that is a gift from God, my Father. For the longest time, since I was a small child, a Harley Davidson was in my heart. I've ridden all kinds of stuff. I've been riding motorcycles since I was 15 years old. First got my learner's permit, and we got on a two-wheel vehicle. 65 now. So 50 years is a long time to be riding. And God allowed this thing to take place. And he gifted this to me because he knew that I kept coming at him, coming at him, coming at him. Looking for the righteousness, and that's not to say that you know. And this is not a brand spanking new motorcycle. It didn't happen that way. But he gifted me something that was taken care of, that was loved by the person that had it. Not so much, I think, that it was became an idol. And this thing is by no means my idol. It's an accepted gift that God allowed to come into my life, and it's a beautiful thing. And incidentally, God likes to ride. And he rides with me every day. But when we rode across country, definitely with me. And he likes to ride. <laughs> Thank you, Father. But the thing of it is that if we constantly seek his face in righteousness, that he will provide the desires of our heart. So we need to remember that in also seeking his face and his desire, that we are, it is desirous of our Lord God, that we be a gathering people. He designed us to be that way. He designed us to have that desire to be around others. And if you've noticed that when you have people that claim to like to be on their own and they like to do this thing and they like to do it and um, the question that I have then is why do they look so sad? Why is their countenance so opposite of what they're declaring? I hate to come right out and call them a liar but goodness gracious, be honest with yourselves and be honest with everybody else. Oh I like to be on my own. I just I, then why do you look so sad? Why do you look so remorseful and why are you Goodness gracious. God designed us to be a gathering people. He likes us to be that. He wants us to be a family. That is desire of our good, good father who wants us to be together as a family. We are all that. Well, not all. There are those that have not accepted that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son and that God, having faith in God and that the Holy Spirit will guide their steps. If you haven't done that, it's really a simple process. All you have to say is, yes, I will. Yes, I do. Let's go. Yes, I do accept that Jesus is your only begotten son. Yes, I will have faith in you. And yes, I will follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I will. Yes, I do. Let's go. Very simple mantra. And that's what God desires. He desires to have our company. He desires to have us want to be with him. He desires for us to abide.
abide with him. Remember, abiding isn't just kind of a hangout thing. It's just, uh, you know, and you're, you're in the same area. Abiding is that you have a social in, uh, interpersonal relationship with the maker of all things made, ancient of days, our Father, our Heavenly Father. Have a reverent, respectful gathering with him and a, an interpersonal relationship with him because he is a sovereign Lord God. I mean, you just can't. I mean, he doesn't mind. Hey, how's it going here, God the Father? You know, you, you want to be respectful. I mean, that's just, I'm sure he might appreciate the humor. Um, he is very accepting of a lot of things. I make scripture very personal with me. And he doesn't mind you do that. He also doesn't mind that you are afraid. He doesn't want you to be fearful. A lot of things that people have a misconception over when they read through the Bible. And notice I, how I said that. When they read through the Bible, they're just kind of reading, reading, reading. They don't go and they don't study. Paul says, study to show thyself approved. So that means you have to get in the Word. You have to dig for things and you have to get response and answers, which God will provide. And the Holy Spirit gives to us. But if you're not studying the word and you're not digging for these answers, it's going to be hard to find. The socializing that we engage in at church is, is intended. But here's the thing. You, the purpose that you go to the local church or that you attend is not because it is a social club. He wants us to socialize, but the reason that we go to church is to be taught and to worship by the word. Not to go and hang out and sit out there and, and you spend the whole morning drinking coffee out by, you know, many churches have the baristas and all that and they provide coffee for everybody. And um, they're doing that more and more because it is a social thing and it is a draw, true, and you don't go and sit out there in the foyer just to hang out. And, and <laughs> I don't, I question sometimes because um, there are individuals, but they're, they're getting there. Okay, it's a, it's a little step. You have, sometimes you have these um, early, worldly relationships, man and woman, husband, wife, you know, and they, but the spouse or the partner is there. They spend the time out in the foyer around the coffee and all that stuff, and they're there, and it's baby steps, and eventually they'll get into the auditorium and sit in front, but it's good that they have the screens out there and the speakers and the, and the sermon is being shared, and the day, but they are, they're not going in. You have to continue in prayer with that, that they go in. They enter the main auditorium, they go in, and they're, they're with people. But they'll sit out there in the foyer on the couch drinking a coffee and hanging out there. And they're not going in with their family or children or they don't go in. And I, I pay attention to things. I watch things. I, you know, it's not a condemnation issue. It's, a, it's just noticed. And God may be that way. It's something I can't help. I just pay attention to things. But here's the thing, too, that Brian was sharing is that that doesn't mean that everything at the churches are going to always be perfect. 
There are going to be some people that are going to be offended by certain things. Remember, seek offense, ye shall certainly find offense. Seek loving kindness, fellowship, you will find that as well. But there are people that get offended by so many things that happen in church and that they figure that they're in charge of a certain thing that they do at the church. So then they're, they try to exceed any authority that has been given them by the elders of the church and they try to exceed that authority. And then they're offended by individuals that don't want to adhere to what they're saying. But the thing of it is that what they're saying, they don't have the authority of. And they don't have the authority for. But they try to make it theirs. And that's, a fun, uh, that's, I mean, that's the way they are. You have to keep them in prayer and love them. You don't get offended and go running off. I mean, there are individuals that spend almost their entire lives chasing around some church that they want to go to. And many times they're looking for a social club. They're not looking for a church. Those individuals keep them in prayer. I mean, this is the sort of thing that Satan does. He wants to keep you scrambling and moving around so that you're not involved in a family and that you're not able to get that anchor into the stone. Many anchors that are, are taught, if you know anything about sailing, or, or you just look it up and, and study this stuff. But there are certain anchors made a certain way. You have a sand anchor, which boat owners and sailors, they know are a certain way in a certain area, and charts say that. You have a certain anchor that is made away because its primary use is in sandy, sediment-filled bottoms. And then you have others that are made to adhere and grab onto stone or coral or whatever they're grabbing onto. So they're not putting their anchor in the rock. And they have developed this attitude because they're, they're not attached in any way, shape, or form in reality to Jesus, the Son, God, the Father. They're not attaching And what we have to do is we have to enjoy the presence of the Lord and we have to be reminded sometimes that his abiding presence, see, we may not be, but God abides with us. He just wants us to respond and speak to him, to engage with him and have that same desire. And the the more you do, the more you practice it, it becomes easier to do and to remember this that the earth declares the glory to those that have eyes to see and ears to hear and heaven and nature sing let heaven and nature sing and repeat the sounding joy that's not just a christmas song mammon decided that that was you bring it out at christmas time baloney Read the lyrics, look at the song, and read the lyrics. It's a, it's a de- declaration that is year-round. And all the time, declaration that we should be sharing. And it actually, originally, was intended as a prayer. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And declare his majesty 
as a prayer. And then some Yahoo decided, oh, we'll make that a Christmas song because Jesus was born at Christmas time. And yeah, then we'll sing about preparing him room. And I, No, it's not. It's an all year round song. It's not just to be brought out at Christmas time. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. You're faithful, you'll be in the house of the Lord. You're faithful, you'll engage and abide in his presence. You'll seek those things that he intended for us to have. And before you came, you were looking, your heart was darkening, you couldn't figure out things, things were... And I share... um, it's very interesting that, that the other reading actually confirms what I'm talking about is that Solomon actually declared our walk with the Lord and being with God kind of like a day. But you have to remember this, that, that this day that we're with God is, is a long day. It's actually a lifetime. And the walk and our abiding with God in the dawn and that first light is still kind of dim diminish, you're still going to stumble, you're still going to fall, you're going to trip over things. But the more that we progress toward that end time that we are with Jesus, God, and our loved ones, and when we attain that majestic, glory-filled body that we will have, because we are going to be like him, we are going to see him for how he is now, not how he was, and we are going to have bodies like that. And as we progress with that, then the day gets brighter and brighter and brighter and more light comes in until we obtain that. And then, of course, you know that there's sunset. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> wow. Pardon me, the enemy is trying to get me to keep from speaking. Not going to happen. Uh, sorry about that. Wow. <clears throat> so we need to seek the Lord always in all things and seek his strength. In the book of Psalm 105, that we look to the Lord, look for his strength, always looking for him. Remember, seek him. You will find him. What are you looking for? Are you looking to be offended by everything everyone says and every time you turn around, are you looking for goodness and light, hope and love? What are you looking for? In Psalm 19, 1 through 2, that's what I was sharing that, that God told us. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge of his might and majesty. Every single day and night, you have to see it with spiritual eyesight and hear it with spiritual hearing. And if you just go through the day and night and you take it for granted, and there you go. So 
in Isaiah, God's prophet, one of God's prophets, Isaiah is declaring in Isaiah 60 and 2 that darkness covers the land and darkness covers the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. This is what we have to seek and know as truth and promise of God the Father, maker of all things made. He has promised that to us. And this is promised to us. So we have to look, there's some scriptures talking about the socializing and, and things that were intended by God. You can find in Matthew 16 and 18, Acts 20, 28, all these scriptures that, that Brian was sharing with us, and you can look and see what they're talking about. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Romans 12 and 5, Matthew 18, 20, 1 Timothy 3.15, 1 Corinthians 12.19, Ephesians 1 and 22, 1 Peter 2 and 5, 2, 9 through 10, Acts 2.42, Ephesians 3.10, James 5.16, Ephesians 5. And Paul writes these letters. Something you have to remember about Paul too, I'm going to share this with you, is that Paul was actually a staunch enemy. He was hired by the Romans and by the Sanhedrin, incidentally, by the way. See, here's the thing that, that I find troubling sometimes is you have all these yahoos that declared their holiness and their authority in the scripture and all this, and but they crucified the only begotten son of God and they hired people to burn out churches and to bring into custody those that were declaring their their fellowship and belief in Jesus and God. The very persons that they were supposed to be studying about, and yet they were such adversaries of those individuals. And they hired this guy, Paul, to go after them. He burned out churches. He took into custody those individuals. And when Stephen was stoned, Paul was standing there. He was holding the cloaks of the, of the holy men that stoned Stephen. He was holding their cloaks so it didn't interfere with their pitch. Goodness gracious. Of course, they're going to be... Wow. But on the road to Damascus, it was Saul who got knocked off his ass onto his in the middle of the road. Get offended by that? Goodbye. Go past that. And you notice how Jesus spoke to Paul? He didn't separate himself from the body of church. He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou the church that are trying to follow me? He didn't say that. He said, Saul, Saul. as he stood over him, and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Jesus is the body 
is the body of the church. We are the church. We are part and parcel of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Seek that. Desire that. And it will be given to you. And God's intention is for us to be strong in his way, to be unified. And so here's a question that Brian shared at the end of his. What are you investing in? What's your investment? Are you investing in your sharing of the word? Are you investing in your time spent with others in the word? Are you investing in your time at the church and sharing that? Are you investing in sharing the gospel? Um, Sadly and truthfully, more people don't invest in that. Their time is their time. It's all about them and all about their agenda. They're not willing to invest any time in anything else except themselves. And that's true. That's truth. I speak truth. I don't make this stuff up. You look at these workaholics. What are they investing in? Well, I got to have more. I got to make this. We got to have that. We don't have enough to do this and enough to do that. Well, why not? Because you didn't work at it and you let this happen and that happen. So now you don't have time to be with your kids. You don't have time to be with your spouse. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Pardon me. That snuck up on me. But you don't have time to spend with your children or your spouse and to to do those things that that, um, you should be doing with them because you are married to either your wife or your husband um, and your investment time together with your kids. So are you investing in them or are you investing in yourself? There are so many individuals and, and I look around as I go through the course of my day and I really have to pray about it because... Quite honestly, it's um, an agitation, but becoming more and more diminished. I mean, looking at how these individuals are operating around each other, drive with over speed, running red light stop signs, zigzagging through traffic at such a high rate of speed, and they're on this little thing that they hold in their hand. Mm. It's pretty powerful, but we need to pray about this. Here's something you have to remember, too, is individuals say, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Wait a second. Hold on there, Baba Louie. There are 24 hours in a day, and when the disciples, the apostles, and Jesus Christ are in there 24 hours in the day, and we have that same 24 hours every day, all day. But then you have individuals say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Why don't you have time for your kids? Why don't you have time for those that are should be mattering most to you? Why don't you have time to do anything for church? Why don't you have time to be able to go to a Bible study or be in the Word of God? Why don't you? What are you investing in? Are you investing in what's here temporal now? Or are you investing in what is on the horizon for our future? Heaven-bound. And there's no difference in what we have now, time-wise, than it was when Jesus walked and was teaching. 
no different. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. You are in my prayers on my going out, my coming in. As always, I pray for your day. I pray for your strength and boldness and courage so that you would stand upright and share the word of God.